Welcome to the Muso Church Podcast. Here, we share the powerful and practical gospel of Jesus Christ until everyone is free and flourishing. We're so excited that you're here. Wherever you're listening from, we are trusting and believing that God is going to touch your life through this podcast. Uh, we are starting uh, a new series uh, today. Uh, it's going to run for the next couple of weeks, going to run for the next six weeks. Uh, the title of the series is work, uh, Salvation Workout. So next week, next week is Women's Conference. So no, it's not going to work. Yeah, okay, it's still working out. So next week is Women's Conference. But I'm making it, I'm making it in, invite to you. The week after that is the 21st. We're all going to come to church in our gym gear right in our in our you know obviously dressed decently but i'm gonna be wearing my 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 you know my exercise uh, gear for that sunday and we're gonna we're gonna make this practical right so we're talking about salvation workout and we're gonna have a workout we're gonna have a guy who's gonna i'm joking i'm joking i'm joking <laughs> someone was already thinking oh yeah you know when was the last time I wore gym gear? Where am I gonna get it? Some, they don't even have a desire to go to the gym. <laughs> Salvation workout, the, the Philippians 2.12 says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear, and trembling and then for the for the next six weeks we're going to look at the fundamentals of Christianity because sometimes we are saved but we don't know what that means right we don't even know the implication of that we don't know the foundation when you say when someone says okay I see you are saved what does that mean actually give me a mic let me give someone to explain to me what does being saved mean huh? anyone who wants to explain to us what does what does what does being saved mean mean to you? I mean, man, Kutle, <laughs> no, stop stop teasing Kutle. Kutle is my friend. Yeah, Kutle is my. Anyone who wants to wants to take a chance, Ka Cabello. Yes, there there is Cabello. Give give Cabello. Yeah, you think I'm joking? I'm not joking. I'm serious, right? See, people who are sure about their salvation are like, give me that thing. Yeah, you can stand there. You can stand there. It's cool. Um, so what I understand about salvation, um, what Romans 10 verse 9 uh, ah, to 10 actually speaks and says, no, please, listen to you, so I'll pick on the chat So what it actually says is that when we confess with our mouths mm. that Jesus is Lord and we believe in our hearts that the Lord has literally risen him from the dead, mm. we are actually saved. Mm. So before that, it also speaks that we have to confess it with our mouths and then we actually give our lives to Christ. Amen. So I believe that is when Jesus becomes our Lord. Yes. Amen. So, yeah. <clears throat> Let's give. It's good. It's good. It's good. That is, that is, that is, you even quote, so if you're going to give an answer, better quote a scripture. You better back it up. You better back it up with scripture. 
and that's what we're going to be doing in the next in the next couple of weeks because for most of us we 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 never really got you know the sense of of discipleship of understanding okay fine now that i'm saved so what you know what are the implication the implications of this salvation what does it actually mean to be a christian you know i i was saying to the team this morning there are some of some of you in the church that I happen to have on social media, right? On, on, on Instagram, Twitter, and, and Facebook. And, and some, some of your content, I read it, and I'm like, is this person saved? <laughs> like, how? You know, I'm like, this cannot be, this cannot be real. And, and they write it, you know, they, they take some pictures, and I'm like, eh. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, this is hectic, you know, and I'm supposing that some of you are going to unfriend me after this. You're going to go like, unfriend, unfollow, block, out, yeah, you cut me out. But Jesus still sees you. It's fine, you can block me, but Jesus still has his eyes on you. Because being saved is not just a moment, it's a lifetime. It's not what just happened to us in that moment. Is what happens to us after that as a result of that moment and the implications of that of that moment and today we're going to start by asking the question what is redemption because that's where the story starts we have been redeemed but what does that what does that mean what we, we what, what where do we stand what do we understand redemption to mean because we're saying, yeah, I am redeemed, I am redeemed, I am redeemed. But when I say you are redeemed, you are redeemed from what into what? What, what does it actually, what are the implications of that re redemption, right? So, so when you look into the dictionary uh, uh, definition, it's number one, it says buying something back. So redemption is buying something back something back. It says, this thing is here. I want to buy it back. So it means at one point we belonged somewhere and then for whatever reason we were lost from God and now he, got, he went back to buy us. So the first implication of salvation is that we are bought, right? And then number two, it says, save a person from damnation. That, what does that mean? That means we are reborn. When we were supposed to be going to hell to be judged, we are no longer now going there to be judged. We get to spend eternity with Christ. So the first implication of redemption, it means you are born. No, 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 it means you are bought. Number two, it means you are born, right? And then number three, it says to make up for a fault, right? Where there was a fault, there is a make up for that for that fault what does that mean it means we are built right yeah lamza my wife i don't know what my wife is saying she's saying she's giving me like <laughs> she's giving she's giving me mess, subliminal messages i'm preaching here this moment <laughs> I'm, I'm focusing on the lord <laughs> Oh. oh, she was saying make up as in for the face. Oh, that means I'm the one who's caught up in my mind, man. <laughs> Jesus. 
So the first thing is that we are bought, we are born, and we are built. That's what redemption, those are the implications. That's what redemption means. It means you have been bought back because you were now belonging to a place you did not belong to. You were in a space where you should not have been, and Christ came and bought you back. And not, it was not just a buying back, because once he buys you back, there needs to be a rebirth that happens. Yeah. Right? After the rebirth, no, not, what did I say, build? No, not build. Then the third thing is that there needs to be a belonging that happens. Right? So it is about the buying, the born, and the belonging. That's what the essence of redemption of redemption is he paid the ultimate price for our sin that we may be born again and be sons in his kingdom let me say that again he paid the ultimate price for our sins so that we may be born again into the kingdom of god as sons so the first thing that he did is that he paid a price for me and you there was a perfect price that was paid for me and you. And as a result, then we become born again. Because you do not, we do not get born again by the fact that he died on the cross. That might be confusing to someone. So just because Jesus has died on the cross doesn't mean everyone is born again. He has paid the price, but some have not claimed the price. It's like if you win the lottery, if you win the lottery today, if you do not go and claim the price, you are broke still. Until the money is in your account, you are broke, even if you have the winning ticket. So he died on the cross and says, here is the victory, but we need to be born again so that we are able to walk in that victory. So because he did not die, Christ did not die for Christians. Christians are those that claim the victory. So the, the dying was for everyone. Yeah. Even Hitler, he died for. Even the worst that you think is the worst, even the, the boyfriend that dumped you, he died for him. <laughs> he forgave him. He loves him. He's not, his life is gonna, it's not going to be destroyed. He has a plan for him. Despite what you wish in your heart. God destroy his life. God says, no, I died for him. <laughs> we need to claim the victory. Amen. So there's a lot of people in the world who are working, who are walking with a lottery ticket that has the winning numbers. Because everyone actually has the lottery ticket with the winning numbers. But they have not claimed it. Because Christ did not die for Christians. He did not drive for special people. But we become because we claim the price. When we declare that he is Lord over our lives. When we declare Romans. When we say be Lord and Savior over my, over my life. So we are bought. We are born. And we belong. We are bought. We are born. And we, be, we belong. That is what redemption is. Redemption is bought. First Peter one from eighteen to from eighteen to twenty-one. Your life is a journey. You must travel with deep consciousness of God. It cost God everything to get you out of a dead end, empty-headed life you grew up in. He paid with Christ's sacred blood. That is the redemption. 
Your redemption cost God everything. The Bible says he paid everything. So he paid the price for your redemption. Amen? Amen. And he died, uh, he died like an unblemished sacrificial lamb. And this was no afterthought, even though it has, it, it has only later at the end of ages became public knowledge. God always knew he was going to do this for you. My God. He always knew that he wants to buy you back. It's not something that was an afterthought. You are not God's afterthought. Now you need to start taking yourself serious. That must have an implication on how you look at yourself as a Christian. You're like, man, I was not an afterthought. God did not buy me with change. He bought me with his salary, his whole salary. He did not give me what was left. He gave me what was best. He gave his only son. He's like, man, for this one, only the best. Only, only only the best. It's because of the, sacrifice, uh, the sacrificed Messiah who God has raised from the dead and glorified that, that you can trust God. That you know you have a future in God. You are saved. You are bought fully from disruption to a future in God. What are you saved from? You are saved. You are bought from a li from life of darkness and you are bought into a life of light. You are bought from a life of disruption and judgment. You are bought into a life of joy, peace, and union with God. And that must be how, and now the Bible says, when we build our lives on the word of God, we are like a man who, the wise man who built his house on a rock. After we have been saved, now we build our lives on the word of God. Because we have already been, you have already been, been bought. I wrote here, because I want us to be clear about this. God did not steal us from the devil. He bought us back from the devil. That must must change how we relate with the devil. We are not running away from him. God did not steal us. We are not in God's hands illegitimately. Because here's the thing. If, I, if this is, is your phone, if this is your phone, and I steal it from you, even though it is in my possession, I cannot use it freely. Because I am always worried about the day where you will come, and you will come and take it away from me. The devil is not going to come and take us away from God because God did not steal us from him. He bought us. He paid what was required for us to be saved. We are completely his. In fact, the devil has no claim on us because we were paid with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. You give the devil too much credit. He has no claim over you because you were bought with the perfect uh, with the perfect blood of Jesus, of Jesus Christ. God, God, did not, God did not go in, like, you know, in the movies where the steering goes and then they open a hole in the fence and then they're like, oh, oh the devil is not watching. Come, 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 come. And then, and then we run out and then the devil is shooting at us and then we're running out. No. <laughs> That's not what happened. 
He went to the grave. He took his son. He put him on the cross. He says, devil, here is the price for my people. Here is the full price for my people. Nothing short, nothing left. And he went to the grave. And he did not run out of the grave. He did not escape the grave. He walked out of the grave to declare that these people are completely free. There's no enemy that is coming to come and take us. No. We are completely free because we have been bought completely. You, are, you know, sometimes we live our lives as if, as if God owes the devil something. You know, when, when you buy something from someone, say, I, fool, I buy something from you, get installment. Every month they call you. Are you coming to pay? And now you can't, sometimes you don't answer their calls because you have not, you know, some of you, you are missing job opportunities because you don't answer private numbers because you are afraid that the private number is there. Sorry if I'm just answer the call, right? Because you are afraid that you owe them. You are not even enjoying this thing because you owe it. There's still a balance on it. It's not yours. If you do not make payment at the end of the month, they might come and take it. Our salvation is not like that, Gabriel. It's completely paid for. We don't have to worry about the devil coming to claim. He can't claim anything in our lives. That he can't claim anything. We have been completely, completely bought. When you buy property, there is this term they use where they say, every problem that you find in that building, you inherit. Footstools, right? They say, once you sign and say, I take this property, it means whatever you discover. In fact, the definition of it is, it means that any problem inherent in the housing, in the house's structure, visible and latent, the, is the buyer's problem. So it means the ones that, the problems that you can see and the problems you cannot see. Once you buy it, it is your problem. And here is the thing about that. It means the enemy cannot accuse you anymore of your past. Because when Christ paid for you, he paid even for the problems you had in the past. He says the, the problems you had that were visible and the problems you had that were not visible. The enemy cannot accuse you anymore of that because he said, they said, no, this one has traumas, I paid for that. This one has depression, I paid for that. This one, the dead was not there, I paid for that. This one is a fornicator, I paid for that. This one is an adulterer, I paid for that. There is nothing about you that was not covered in the precious blood of Jesus Christ. There's nothing in your past that was not covered in the precious blood of Jesus Christ. There is no area in your life that was not paid for. There is none. So then, you, the enemy can no longer accuse you fool, regardless of how bad it is. You're like, oh, but you don't know my story. I've had 10 abortions, even if there were a million. He paid for them. That's what redemption means. 
That's the implication of, oh, you don't know my story. Oh, God hates divorce. I am divorced. I've been divorced five times. Yeah, have you read John 4? He paid for that. There is nothing that was excluded. He's not... <laughs> Palisa. Jesus is not going to wake up this morning and say, Yo, this was a bad buy. <laughs> Have you ever bought something and after you buy it and you are like, Man, this... Because this is what you do. They, when they sell houses, people in real estate, what they do is they paint the house... And then they bake bread, right? Because now they bake bread because apparently when you walk into a bread and you, you smell the smell of fresh bread, it's, it's, not, it's nostalgic. So it triggers the sense of home for you. So then you are likely to say, it felt like home. It was the bread. <laughs> it was the bread in the oven. Yeah, you know, they will cook, put cookies there. They, they kind of like trigger emotions in you. And then after you buy it, you move into it, and then it starts raining, and you're like, wow, there is a leak there. Oh, wow, there's this. Oh, the toilet is not working. Oh, this and this and this. Listen, with Christ, he knows every single corner in your life that's not working, and he paid for it anyway. That's the redemption story. That's what redemption means. He knows every part of your life, every mistake you have made. And he says, this is the one who deserves my blood, just as they are. That's redemption. He, 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 nothing is going to catch him by surprise. It's not. There was that king and lady, that communist. It's not. Know her? You don't know her. I like her. Can't see me. Uh, no, not can't see me. The other one. The small girl. Anyway, we're not there. Forget. Forget about it. <laughs> we were, redemption means we were bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Everything about our past, our present, and our future was covered in that payment. Everything was covered in that payment. That's why the Bible says, then you know that you have a future in God. If there's one thing that depresses a lot of people, is the sense of uncertainty about the future. You're like, I'm not sure what tomorrow holds. I'm like, for as long as I know who holds my tomorrow, I'm not going to worry about it because he did not just buy, buy my past. He also bought my future. My future is secure in him. In him, I have a future. I might not know what that future is, but I know that in him, I have a future. But more than anything else, the, huh, the greatest future that you have a guarantee with when you get saved is that you will get to spend eternity with your Savior. You see, there are people that are worried about what they're going to eat tomorrow, and they're not worried about where they're going to spend their eternity. That's dangerous living. That is dangerous living. We are guy Osi. Number two, Osi is disturbing my spirit now. Number two, so we were, we were bought, and we were, it's a, it's a rebirth. When we get saved, it's a re, rebirth. The Bible says, it says, Jesus says to, to Nicodemus, He says, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, unless you get born again, you will not see the kingdom of heaven. 
See, we live in a society that wants to create alternatives. There's no alternative. There's only way by which man can be saved. There's only one way to the Father. There's only one way we get to see the kingdom of heaven. And Christ has paid the price so that me and you have access into it. That's the beautiful story. Is that me and you have access into the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of the one who has created heaven and earth. The kingdom of the one who all power rests on him. The creator of everything known and unknown. The creator of the heavens, the waters, and the seas. The creator of everything we see, the redeemer. The great I am. We have access into that kingdom. The great healer, the Jaira, the banner, the Nisi. The, we have access into the kingdom of that God. The, the God. the kingdom of a God who parted the Red Sea. The kingdom of a God who has healed the sick. The kingdom of the God who is powerful above all. The God of the angel armies we have access into the kingdom of that god through jesus christ we have access because we have been redeemed we have been redeemed we have access and that access is jesus christ it's jesus christ the bible says and you he made alive when you were spiritually dead listen guys blue Redemption does not mean God found you bad and he made you good. No. Redemption means, Matilda, God found you dead. Because sometimes we think, oh, God came and renovated me. Renovate what? <laughs> you are right off. Your penal beating was not going to work. Renovation was not going to work. It needed a fresh new birth for, to get us where we are right now. Penal beating was not going to do the work of saving my soul. Renovation was, listen, he was going to renovate and tomorrow the walls will start cracking. You know there are houses where you renovate it because you are trying to save costs. And after some time, the crack comes back. And then you renovate again, and then they come back. And then you renovate again, and then they come back. And Jesus is saying, I don't want to keep going back and forth. This is going to be once and for all, for eternity, I am saving you. It's eternal. It's not a, it's not a quick job. He didn't do a quick job. It was not a quick job. He was not patching. It's a rebirth. It's something it says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. It doesn't say it looks like a new creation. Uh -uh. It says he is a new creation. The old, he packed somewhere so that when you do wrong, he can say, hey, hey, don't forget how you look like. Uh -uh. The old is gone. The old is gone. That's why in, in Psalms, it says, as far as the east is from the west, so he has forgotten about our transgressions. 
to infinity. When he looks, he doesn't see your transgression. He sees the blood of his son. And you must be able, because you are redeemed, Rofua, you must be able when the, when the thought of condemnation comes to your mind, say, stop talking about things that don't exist anymore. You need to speak to the accuser and say, hey, we're not. Stop talking about things that don't exist anymore. That thing was paid for, it's gone, it's done, it's thrown away. I am a new, I'm a new creation. He says he has made us alive. You see the problem? Sometimes we think, <laughs> that's why the devil says, no, God is lying. You shall, sure, you, shall, you shall not surely die. Because we tend to downplay the implications of sin. That's, that's the devil's trick. He downplays the implication of sin. He says to them, no man, eat. You shall surely not die. Guys, let's be honest. How many times have you downplayed the implications of sin? When you want to say pula. <laughs> I can say, ah, man. Ah. It's not that serious. It's serious. You die spiritually. Like, amen. Ah, ah, baby. It's winter. God understand us. Mm -mm. That's what the devil That's what the devil did He went to Adam and Eve and said It's not that serious You shall not die And they got kicked out of the garden Don't get kicked out of your garden Because you are downplaying The implications of sin Your garden is your place of influence They got kicked out of the place of dominion They got kicked out of the place of multiplication they got play, kicked out of their place of fruitfulness because they downplayed the implications of sin. Don't get kicked out of your garden because you are downplaying the implications of sin. Same sin leads to death. For the wages of sin is death. The good news, however, is he did not ask you to pay for your sin. He did not ask for you to pay for your own redemption. The Bible says he paid for it with the precious blood of his son so that you may not, my brother, go from good to bad, but you may go from dead to alive. From dead to alive. We will have been made alive for we were there spiritually and separated from the presence of God because of our transgression and sin. It says, in the presence of God, there is fullness of joy. What is there outside the presence of God? If, if here there is fullness of joy, what about outside the presence of God? It's fullness of pain. The fullness of suffering, the fullness of brokenness, the fullness of lostness, the fullness of, of suffering. It says sin takes us out of the presence of God. And that's why he sent his only son. He says, I want my people back. I want to walk in the garden with them. Blue, when you, when you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, 
you get to walk in the cool of the night with God again. He gets to whisper in your ears and says, I'm making you in my image and my likeness. He gets to breathe. It was in the garden where he knelt down and breathed into Jesus. When we ex- in, no, breathe into Adam, thank you. He breathed into Adam. When we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we go back into the garden where God can breathe into us again. Where God can speak dominion into us again. Where God can speak multiplication into us again. Where God can speak fruitfulness into us again. Where we get to walk in the cool of the night with him. We go back to that space. We go back to that space. When we are re, when we are reborn. When we are reborn. And then finally, we belong. We are bought. We are born. Finally, redemption means we, we belong. Galatians 4.4 But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law that they may receive the adoption as sons. Not only do we move from death to life, we move from slaves to sons. Now in the house of God, because of the redeeming power of Jesus Christ, we are no longer slaves, we are sons. Man, do you understand what that means? In the house of God, you are not a slave, you are a son. A slave, regardless of how many years they work in the master's house, they will never inherit what the master has. But as a son, you get to inherit everything that your father has. That's why the Bible says we, are, we have now become co-heirs with Jesus Christ. Because of this redemption, we have been adopted as sons. We are sons. That's the implication of redemption. And temple, it, was, it had to be son for sons. It couldn't have been anything less because the payment must be equivalent to the value. For him to make a sons, it had to cost him a son. He was not going to pay for anything less because if he had paid a tree, we were going to be three in the kingdom of God. If he had paid for gold, we were going to be gold in the kingdom of God. If he had paid whatever price, we are only going to be the equivalent of that. But because his mindset, his end goal was that we may be sons, it had to be a son. It had to be a son. Because the end goal was son. You can't go to, to Rolls Royce, take 100 rand. What are you going to do? You get there with your 100,000 and say, I'm here to buy a, a Lamborghini. They look at you, they're like, hey, Even Uno doesn't cost 100,000 anymore. 
the cost must match the value. He, he did not come for slaves. He came for sons. And so, it, re it required a son. And I want us to watch this video quickly. I think it, it paints a picture of this redemption so well. Um, no, I think, I, think we're, I think we're good. A, a spoiler alert, it's a bit... It's a bit, it's a bit sad and, and, and sensitive. It was you and me. It was either I die or his son dies. There was no other option. me and you on that train and he had to make a decision my son or them and God he pulled the lever and God pulled the lever so that me and you something we can take lightly. The salvation we can't take lightly. I want to just challenge you, man. Don't take it lightly. It was you and me on that train. someone here this morning who says, man, I'm still on that train. I've not accepted him as my Lord and my Savior. We can just all close our eyes if all, all of us just close our eyes. <coughs> says, I'm still on that train heading to my destruction. Heading to my judgment and heading to my death. I need him to save my life. I want to give over my life to him because he died for me. He says that death was worth it and I want to accept that gift of life this morning. If that is you, just, just raise your hand. I just want to pray with you. You say, I'm, I'm in that train and I'm going to death and I want to I want him to save my life thank you Jesus if that is you just raise your hand and say I, you don't want to live here 
still on that train. You don't want to leave this place still on that train. If that's you, don't worry about the people that are sitting next to you. This is your life. This is your future. This decision determines where you get to spend your eternity. And if that's you, just, just, just raise your hand and say, I, I'm not going to die on this train. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. My brother, come forward. Thank you, Jesus. You are still there. <laughs> don't leave here still on a train that leads to destruction there is salvation there is redemption a price has been paid for you all you need to do is step forward mm. guys gentlemen look at me Until, until the 13th of February, 2005, I was on this train. And on that day, I decided that I'm not going to die in this train. I'm going to give him my life as my Lord and my Savior. I'm going to receive the gift that he has given to me. And my life has never been the same. And I want to make you a promise. Your life will never be the same for the decision that you have made this morning. This is the best decision that you could ever do for yourself. From here onwards, you have life and life in abundance. You had been a dead man walking. Now you are alive. You are alive. You are breathing your first breath as a, as, a, as a living man. You are alive. You are alive. Thank you, Jesus. Let's lift, let's lift. Can we just all stand and just extend our hands to them? And you just say this prayer. You just say this prayer after me. So Father God, thank you for saving me. Thank you for sending your son to come and redeem me, to atone for my sins, and to give me a future. I repent of all my sins, and I accept you as my Lord and my Savior. From today onwards, my life belongs to you. 
I am a new creation in Jesus Christ. Be Lord over me. Be my Savior and my Redeemer. From today onwards, my life will glorify you. I accept you as my Lord and my Savior. I confess it with my mouth and I believe it in my heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and that he died on the cross for my sin and he was raised from the dead and that today I am co-risen with him never to die again. Thank you in Jesus name. Amen. Let's give God a shout of praise and a hand of victory. Amen. Amen. Man, I'm excited. I'm excited about your future, guys. I'm excited about your future. I'm excited about you. So after church, don't go away. In that room there, there's people who want to pray with you want to have a chat with you, want to walk a journey with you. And for the next six weeks, I want to encourage you, come to church every week. Just set up the next six weeks because I'm going to be preaching about what it means, the decision that you have made today, what are the implications of that? What does it mean? Thank you. Let's give God a hand of praise. Thank you for joining us today. We believe that this message has been a blessing to you. Why not be a blessing to someone else by sharing this message with them? Also, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. Goodbye and God bless.